How y'all doing? I know, I know, I don't look like Kaixa. That's because I'm not. But I am starting the show for her. She's a little bit indisposed right now, taking care of a little bit of something, something. But she'll be right with you in the meantime, in between time. It's your boy T Wade coming at you live on for the Eye of Kai. Yes. Yeah, we're going to have a great show today. Um, I'm here to co-host today just to have some fun with my, with my, with my wifey. You know, we're just doing our thing today. It's the new year. Happy new year to you all. It's a blessed time to be alive. You know, 2023, a little funny, a little, you know, some of us had a hard time with 2023. Some of us struggled with 2023, but that's okay because we got a chance to do it again. Now, I need y'all to be very positive about the year that we're coming into because of the year that we just hit because a lot of people didn't make it this year. A lot of people, I was watching, you know, the New, the New York New Year's Eve thing and, you know, they brought up a list of people that are gone, but I mean, these were celebrities, but still, a lot of people were lost this year. But you, if you're here watching, you made it. If you're here watching, you hit the new year, and that's a blessing in itself. So we just want to give God thanks and praise for being able to just breathe and see a new day because so many of us didn't make it, and we had so many losses this year, this past year. But 2024, it, 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 it's, it's bringing in something brand spanking new. It's bringing in something that's going to be awesome. And that's how you have to think coming into this year. It's going to be an awesome year. It's going to be an awesome year. Kai is constantly telling me, listen, new things, new year. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to hit off the new year and we're going to hit it off right. A lot of, lot of things in the game plans, a lot of things in the works. And we're going to make this year what it needs to be because it takes self-motivation as well to get your stuff up and running. I'm coming up, I'm coming to you live from the man cave, T Wade's man cave. You know, it is what we do. We do Dallas all day, all day, all day, Dallas, all day. It's what we do, but coming at you live and ready to fly. Um, I want y'all to, to really think hard on what your, what your past year has been. You know, and don't focus on it, concentrate on it as much as you had to when you were in that year. Want you to think ahead. Want you to think on the changes that are about to be made in your life. Want you to think about everything that you got going on and everything that you want to change, the things that you want to bring you know, bring up and, and, and cultivate the things that you want to dismiss. Like, that's done. That's over with. We're about to come in this year swinging because we have goals. We have dreams. We have aspirations, expectations, and we're ready to fly. So we are going to do that this year. We are going to do it this year. And I need you to have that mindset. need you to have that mindset. It's a new year. It's a new day. Fresh anointings flowing your way. Come on now. Come on now. You know that this is your year. And if you don't know, now you know. 
You want to get it ready. You want to get it flowing. You want to do what it is that you need to do so that you can have that year. You can approach those expectations. It's a beautiful day out there. Beautiful day. And we're going to do what we need to do. It's a start, a fresh start to something that may have been messed up, jacked up, or out of the way, not exactly what you wanted. But we're going to do what we do because you have to have that expectation. You have to have that, that, that drive to move forward. It is not just a, it is not just a, okay, I'm going to make some wishes. I'm going to have some expectations. And I'll just wait and see if they happen. No, step into your dream. Step into what it is that you want to do for you. Come on, step into it because it's yours. This is your life. This is your life. People used to ask me, how's life treating you? <laughs> I used to have to tell them, life's not treating me. I'm treating life. I'm treating life. But here we go. Here we go. We're going to step into it. We're going to take control this year, 2024. You're going to take control of what's most important to you. You're going to take control of those things which matter to you. You're going to take control of those changes that you want to make for you. You have to do it. If you don't, you're just sitting waiting. You're waiting for life to give you whatever it throws your way. And then when we do that, we tend to get depressed. Anxiety kicks in. Depression kicks in because we're sitting waiting for something to be given to us. And what you want to do is step in to your blessings. You want to step in to this new year empowered. You want to be empowered. You want to do what it takes to get her done. Get it done. You know what I mean? I'm not going to wait anymore for the blessings to just fall in my lap. You know, um, God gives those blessings and he gives them sparingly. He has mercy and he applies grace and he will give those blessings. But he does help those who help themselves. And yes, it's time for us to step in to what it is that we want to do, what it is that we're expecting, what it is that we need. We want to step into that. Um, Diamond Butterfly should be chiming in any minute now, any second now. So we want to make sure that, you know, in the meantime, in between time of us waiting for her, we do what we need to do um, as far as our thought process. We do. We want to, we, we, this year has to be, better than 2023. Um, We know it's a new election year. We know there's a lot going on in the world that's just not going to disappear with this new day. Um, But what can you control in your destiny? What can you control? What can you work on? What can you direct? What can you dismiss from the past year that wasn't copacetic in your life that brought you down and out, what is it that you can do? Because we spend way too much time focusing on the little things and we we focus on the bad things. and, And like I said, we sit and we wait and there's no need for that. None at all. So let's, let's, let's change our mindset. Let's change our hearts. Let's move forward and do what we need to do to make 2024 everything it can be, everything it can be looking for 
greatness out of your life, looking for things that you haven't experienced before. Don't let, don't, don't be stuck into thinking that you're not worthy of change and you're not worthy of, of greatness and you're not worthy of, of getting those things that you expect in your life. Come on, it's your life. It's your life. And we have these little things that do get in the way. True enough. Like I, I just lost my aunt. So I have a I have two cousins that are really going through it right now. Um, really going through it. They just lost their mother a couple of days ago, a few days ago. So it's hard on them, you know. But you do what you have to do so that you can rise up above your circumstances, rise up above the the obstacles that are in your way. We, we want to make sure that we get this done and right, because otherwise you're going to be stuck and 2024 is going to look like 2023, which looked like 2022, which looked like 2021. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to sit on our couches every year talking about how things are going to change. You know, we don't want to sit on our couch talking about you know, I'm waiting for this or this is coming. And then you're only speaking the words, but you're not taking any actions towards achieving your goals or your dreams. You don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. You want to be ready to go. And you want to be determined to make life what it is supposed to be for you. It's your, it's your decision. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do? with the opportunity, the time that you have, what are you gonna do? Um, at the end of the day, you're in control. Diamond Butterfly is finally in. So we're gonna let her take the, take the chair. It's been nice talking to you. Diamond, it's all on you. Thank you, love, for stepping in and filling in for me. Until I got here, I appreciate you so much. That's what having a good partner is for. You know, they can they can step in for you when things happen. <laughs> can barely hear you. You can't hear me? Oh, I got my volume turned up all the way. I don't know. Is it super low? Hold on. Uh, could it be me? Oh. Okay, it's I, me. I got you. Okay. All right. Let me know if y'all can hear me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's your girl, Diamond Butterfly. Thank you, T-Wade, for filling in for me and, you know, holding it down for the first 10 minutes of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what he was talking about, you know, New Year's and all of that good stuff. And we've been talking about this stuff, Tony and I. Um, but what I wanted to do today as the New Year starts, I wanted to do, I want to interview my boo. I'm going to interview my boo, not as my boo. I'm going to interview my boo. I didn't tell him this. Um, but we're going to talk about authors today. We're going to talk about him as an author. And um, I think that's the one book that I forgot. Is your book upstairs? Uh, no. Is your book up there with you? My book? My book. Yeah. It's not up here. Don't we have a copy of your book? Oh my goodness. Or maybe it was with the, all the stuff that we lost. That's terrible. I could have sworn that we had a copy of your book. Well, we're going to talk about it regardless of if we have a copy or not, because people could still go 
to Amazon and get it. We're going to make sure that we drop that link. So um, T. Wade, you are Tony Wade as an author. Um, Tony Wade, Tony Wade as, as an author. And Vengeance Unleashed is your debut novel. It's been out for a couple of years. And it is part of a trilogy. That much I do know. Um, it is a... See, I like to call it espionage. He doesn't like when I call it like an espionage type book. But to me, that says spy and, you know, trained killer and that type of thing. He likes to, you know, he, he talks about the people that he, um, that you, I shouldn't say he, you attribute your lead character to. But when you, you know, and that's cool, but that doesn't tell people what genre it is. So when I say espionage, they know. It's a, it's a book about spies. It's a book about killers. It's, you know, trained mercenaries, things like that, which your lead character is. She works for or used to work for an agency of people who did stuff that other people didn't do, kind of like the CIA or something like that. Um, but, yeah, so let's let's get before Vengeance Unleashed. Let's, you know, Tony Wade, where, how did... You get from Tony Wade, the musician, the, the the lover of music, the the deacon, the 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 choir director. You know all of these accolades that you did before, and how did that progress into Tony Wade, the author? Um, I don't look at it as a progression per se. Um, I've been writing since I was in junior high. Um, I wrote started my first novel in high school. I didn't finish that novel um, because I was given a time restraint. Uh, I wrote it, gave it to an English teacher. She read it, gave it back with all kinds of red marks on it, which discouraged me when I saw it, but then she broke it down and she said it was an awesome book. Um, she said it was excellent. She gave me a couple of pointers and she's like, it's so good that if you finish it by the end of the year, you know, I'll help you publish it. And I got happy with that. But at the same time, I had, we were in the process of midterms. Uh, I, had a, I had half a year of school left. Um, and I wasn't outside of English. School wasn't my thing. So I had to, extra, I had to focus extra hard to get stuff done. And it was going to take me more than half of a school year, which was only a few months to get my whole novel done. And I was only, I think I only gave her like six to seven chapters. Um, and it's funny because I can still remember the characters and everything, uh, but I never finished it. I ended up going getting a job because I didn't want my mother to pay for things that I wanted, school clothes or all that other good stuff. So she was already working hard to supply you know, for the house. So I got a job that took away from my writing. Um, so yeah, I got a little sidetracked with my writing, but I've been writing since I was in junior high short stories, which I can't seem to write right now. <laughs> I Every time I try to write a short story, it ends up being a novel because um, I just have so much upstairs to write about. But um, yeah, I've been writing for a while. So it wasn't a progression per se. It was, I went, I've always loved music. I was loving music at seven. They've been my two loves in my life, my two constant loves is literary and the music music is a foundation for me so like i 
I can't go a day without singing. I can't go a day without hearing music. I can't like I'm now if we want to talk in terms of progression on music, there is a progression in there. But as far as everything else I've done, I was writing before I was in the church. Um definitely singing before I was in the church. But it I applied that when I got into church. So it's just been it it's all just grown with me. That's all it's done. The older I've gotten, the more seasoned i've become with the things that i do um so that's about what that is it's more so, of a <clears throat> so you've always been writing you you found a love for writing but mm -hmm. how did you progress so it, it is still a progression like you said you had this story you had this idea this teacher said it was great but it never turned into a physical manifestation of a book so this is high school you said right high school with a teacher mm -hmm. center was a Okay, so high school to, you know, 15 years ago, there's a gapage. There's like 30 years in there. I didn't write. I didn't write. I didn't lose my... I did more writing prior to being who I am now. I did more writing back when I was younger. I used to sit in a room with my cousins and I would think up stories and just talk them out as though they were bedtime stories for them. I did a lot of that. I've always had an imagination because for a while I was an only child <clears throat> and my mother wasn't well off wealthy. Uh, so I'm that kid that would use clothespins and pencils and pens and I anything I could use in my imagination would turn that into like little figures I could play with. I've always had an imagination. The progression, I did drop writing for a while. I stopped writing. Um, I think at that point, music kicked in for a little bit. Um, it wasn't that I didn't have a love for it. Um, my imagination, it's it, it, it's crazy. My imagination, I can go anywhere in my head and I love it. I, I can think up things and create environments and worlds and situations. Um, but going into my adulthood, like I... I didn't really dive, dive back into writing. I went from high school to between now and high school, there was a gap and there was in the middle of that gap, I did a little bit of writing, but again, it wasn't something that I was throwing myself into like the music. I just wasn't throwing myself into it. it so what got you to, to how, how did we get to the book? How did, you. What, what caused you to pick the book back up, to, to pick back up writing? Where, how? It was you. How, it, it, it was you. It, it was you. It was you. I tell a lot of people, you're my muse when it comes to my creativity. Um, when I got with you, you were doing poetry, but you had already started writing a book. And uh, it brought me back to that book I was writing in high school. And I'm like, man, I wish I had finished that because you had had a book done when I got with you. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. And we had a lot. Our our passions for certain things are the same. Like you love music. You were in the music. And I was, too. You were also literary. You, I started watching you with, uh, how do you say, with poetry. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That's, I've never tried it. But I do write. I do sing. But I never did poetry. Let me try that. You got me writing poetry. You didn't tell me I had to. You didn't suggest I did. 
you did tell me I could when I brought it to you. You were like, yeah, you could do if you want to do it, you should do it. Okay. So I started doing poetry, but I got motivated by your drive to pick the pen back up and say, okay, let me let me do another book. I didn't want to start finish the one I had already started. Um, I wanted to take the lessons from that and create something new. I wanted to take my mind to another spot. And, and when I write, I think, I picture what I'm writing. So everything that I'm writing, I could see on a big screen. And that's how I write. Um, I see it in action in my head. And I just put it down on a paper or right now I'll put it in the computer. But that's what I did. You were my inspiration for starting that book that I started. And I decided I wanted to make it a trilogy. It, I want it to be a three-parter because I write like that. Like I'm a, I, I don't write a story story. I write a life. <laughs> I write like my characters have a life. Like I can write the trilogy, then turn around and I can off branch other books from the trilogy I wrote um, because they have a life of their own. I accidentally did that. Well, sort of kind of accidentally, like I took my main character out of the trilogy and well, wrote not, them. Not, 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 but we're not going to get to that part yet. Oh, you don't want to get to that part? We don't want to get to that part yet. We don't want okay, to get to that part. We don't have to get to that part. Jen. We don't have to wait. <laughs> we can wait. <laughs> but that's where my um, mind that's how that's how I write that's where my mind goes like my mind picks up and branches off and so where did where did vengeance unleash come from like okay so you got with me I, I had a book out it, it it sparked your your it reawakened your I want to write I want to do I want to do this so how did the the book one come where how did you come up with that idea what made you say this is the book i want to write these characters about this genre about this where did this story come from <laughs> i i decided i like i said i wanted to do something different from what i did in high school so i'm like okay what can i do so i literally sat down and started thinking about what i like to watch um what kind of characters i not so much envy, but the ones that I really look to. And the first character that came to mind was Blade from Marvel. Um, half human, half vampire. You know, I'm like, I liked his strength. What I liked about Blade was he was direct to the point. You know, he didn't sit around making jokes. He got to business. Okay, I want a character like that. But I'm like, what would I do with her? I don't want a vampire. I wasn't trying to do that. I wanted a realistic type of character. Then I started thinking back to TV watching. I'm like, oh my goodness. I could have, I need this. If, if I'm going to write a book about a character like Blade, they need a really major obstacle that they're going to have to confront, deal with, and take care of. So then I'm like, okay. Nikita Lafemme. I I love Nikita. I loved her. She an agent who was driven, an expert at everything she did, like Blade, and human, of course, female. And I I admired that. You know, she had to get up and go. She was non-stoppable, and she was direct and to the point too. But she had a soft side to her. So I'm like, okay, I'll take those two characters and I'll combine them. I'll combine them into one character. 
And this will be my character for the for the series I write. I decided I would make it a three-part in case I didn't want to write a 500-page novel. I, I did right. not want to write. I didn't, but I'm like, I know my writing, and I could end up writing a thousand pages. So I'm like, <laughs> we'll break it down. We'll break it down, and I'll make it a trilogy, not a double book. It just felt felt off to say I'm going to write two books, but so I'll, I'll write a trilogy. I love trilogies, Lord of the Rings, all that good stuff, Harry Potter. I love trilogies. I love, well, Harry Potter is more than a trilogy, so is Lord of the Rings. But just to give you an example, did multiple books in a series. I'm like, right. that's what I'll do. Then I can give myself a break. You know, I can stop somewhere and then go back. So that's what I did. Um, I decided to start there. So I made, I named my, my I did a female, which... I know there were some people that are like, oh, you know how to do, what do you know about being a female? I know my character buildup. I'm good with character buildup. Female, male, hamster, I can do it all. So I'm just like, let me just do this. I wrote about a female. I called her Sybil. And I'm like, okay, I have to catch them off the gate. So it's, I tried to make sure the book was action-packed. When I wrote the book, I made sure that I studied the place because it was real. I didn't create a brand new world. I They live in this world. So I'm like, okay, let me study. So I literally study the places. When you read one of my books, if it's not total fiction, um, meaning if it's not, how do I say, fantasy fiction, if it's not, you know, sci-fi, something worse. Sci-fi, right. If it's not that, then... I know, I know that I, I knew that I needed to make sure I knew what I was talking about so people could relate to my character. I can't write about New York and don't know anything about New York. Can't write about, you know, different states, different cities, and don't know. So that's what I did. I went in and I wrote a book. I studied different places. Um, Italy, you know, I, I've studied, I've, I've got my character in New Orleans. So I studied New Orleans, New Orleans, places in New Orleans. I do the work behind my books. Did I you give that, a, a, a question? Did you give her any type of specialized training? So that she have, you know, um, military training was the, the specific training that was asked, but does she have, if it's not military, does she have any specialized training well my character without giving too too much away what my character did what i did with my character understanding that she had to have an origin so the storyline itself is her origin so she pretty much is taken into the agency at a young age like straight out of school like she's young and what they did is, I can't give too much away, but she basically is in a situation where the agent, one of the agency heads takes her in and they start to groom her. So she's doing training inside the agency before they unleash her. They're doing different trainings. So you'll find out in the book, she has a Sifu, who is a martial arts teacher. Um, she has weapons training of all kinds. Like she can take her pick a weapon and use it at any time. Um, she has the tr she has different types of training which allow her to do things that we don't normally, as everyday people do, um, picking locks, getting into places that 
nobody could get into. Um, finding connections, intelligence training. She has all of that because they groomed her for a few years before they put her out there. And she became the best in her field at what she does. People knew her name. They knew inside of the agency, people knew her. She was that invisible entity that could get things done. And she did it without question mm -hmm. for, for, for a very long time, whatever, because she was groomed this way, whatever they asked of her, she did. And she was always under the precept that they, they had the best intentions. So whatever they asked her to do, there had to be a reason for it. So she did it. Um, Is there, and, so what's the overall, um, you know, they asked what the, not epilogue, what's the, what's the, I'm, I'm going to use the word plot, which was what was used. What's the, what's the storyline? So if you're telling people, you know, what's like the back of the book, here's what the book is about. It's not the synopsis. Well. Yes, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> well, okay. Sybil is a trained expert. A military, uh, well, she's not really military. Government is more like it, but she's trained to handle stuff. She's she is that spy, but she doesn't really spy. She she's more of an eliminator. Um, she's more of an assassin type deal. Um, but she can do whatever they need. The job for her is to take care of the agency's needs, but she finds out that the agency has betrayed her. Sort of like a a. Nikita LaFemme type deal. Um, she finds out that the agency is responsible for some things and some deaths that she holds that she holds close to her. She when she finds this out, she decides she needs to because it's so close to home. She feels a need. She feels betrayed, and she feels a need to take down the people that were responsible for the actions that had been taken, that had taken place. And she wasn't involved in any of it. So her finding it out, finding in for certain information out becomes bothersome for her. Um, like I said, it hit home for her. Um, she decided to take everybody out, even if they were say government officials, she decided she was taking people out there responsible because that's how hurtful it was to her. She ends up traveling to find different people, to find out different things. It, it gets really, it's action-based and it really, it really gets, I mean, I had to, what I needed to do in this book was find a way to make it, I want to make it action-packed because what I was writing had been sort of kind of written in a, in a different way before. So I'm like, I have to do something different. If I'm going to write something you know, a storyline that that people can be are familiar with, then I need to change it up a little bit. I have to mm -hmm. fix it so that there has to be something different about my character. If I'm going to write about a character, you know, make her different. So Sybil's very different, um, very, very hard. Um, she doesn't get soft till later on down the line. She softens up a little because of her circumstances, but. That's what it is. Sybil's out for revenge. Sybil's out to eliminate what she, the, the very thing that she had held dear to herself, that she felt 
meant something, she found out it didn't. The betrayal was deep. So she's like, I'm done with this. You lied to me. You've deceived me. You've taken away from me. You've you've done deceitful, horrible things. Now she's starting to evaluate the things that they had her do. Now she's mm-hmm. questioning the things that they had her do, which wasn't a thing when she was doing it because she felt they had always been about the right thing. Even if right. it seemed like a horrible act, she felt they were, they were, there was justification for the things that she did. So she decided, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to follow their lead. When she found out when it got personal, that's when all of her thought process started changing. She goes back to her seafood, you know, she's to, there's a lot that plays into it. She starts to be, she starts to exact what we know as street justice, not only on the agency, but on other people. Like the very first chapter is action straight out the gate. You get snatched. Like I'll give you this one. Cause I give it to everybody, but civil is out. No, don't, no, don't give them you that one. You know what I give it a, That's straight no. out the gate people. That is straight. Like I, again, my character needed to be different and I needed, if the storyline is going to be saying, then change up the action, make it different. So that's what I did with civil. The book is, I tried to put action in every, every chapter if I could, because, um, I needed people to understand who she was and what she was capable of and why she, I needed them to understand why she was doing what she was doing. Yeah. I remember, um, we had the, the the visual we were doing you know visual trailers for books was a big thing back then mm-hmm. and I, I think I, I even found ours for yours and and for mine it was you know like you didn't mention she had a sister so in the trailer uh-huh. it's you know two sisters they grew up together and you know they're they're taken into the agency and, and groomed to be trained killers and then Sybil goes on the war path because you know she finds out that her parents were killed. Well, not because she finds out, but her parents are killed. Mistake one, mistake two, she loses her sister. Mm-hmm. Three, they think they can get away with it. And like you said, now now she's out for blood. You yeah, know? you broke that trailer down. Like you you killed it on the trailer because um, I want to give props to you for that because I hadn't thought about it. I was just thinking about my writing. But Diamond Butterfly made a trailer for my book that was just crazy. It was it, it laid it all down better than I just said it, way better than I just said it. But because I was trying not to give too much out, but I forgot about the trailer. But yeah, she she lost her, she did lose her parents. Her her father was part of that, that same agency. Um and she finds out her, you know, her father's killed. She finds out her mother was killed, but didn't necessarily mean didn't need to be. Um, later on down the line, her, her sister goes about, even though they're brought into the agency and Sybil's the older sister, she ends up going to odds with her sister. So they break off from each other for a while doing their own thing. Um, and then she finds out her sister is dead, uh, supposedly dead. And she just goes on a warpath because she's finding certain things out about the agency and the people she trusted that she did not know. Um and she goes on a warpath. She really does. She has a team of loyals with her that she didn't ask. She, she's more of a blade. Like, I want to work alone. 
I work alone. I can do this. You're just going to get in my way. I don't want you involved. There's problems that are going to come up if you get involved, things that you're going to have to reap. And I don't want that for you guys. So, but they're loyal. So they end up going on this journey with her. It gets deep. It gets very deep. It gets very, it can be emotional, but it, it's, it's action packed. And, and that's what I liked about the book. Um, and I'm happy. I'm proud of it. It is my baby. I'm proud of that book um, because it's doing a lot. The series as a whole, the trilogy, is, is it's an awesome book. I haven't had not as my books aren't my, like my music are not for everybody. Nobody's yeah. book I mean, is for everybody. Not for like everything, you know. What I mean? Right, but I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from my book. Um, matter of fact, as far as my book goes. I haven't gotten any negative feedback on my book yet, so I'm I'm thankful for that. Um, people keep asking, kept asking, when is it coming out? I need to make sure I get my copy. I, I want to read more. I need to know more about this character. I need to know more about this story. You know, so I'll so. you to drop in, drop in book two so they, they, they can, because book two ends, it ends on that, you know, that cliffhanger, that, you know, oh my goodness, wild cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when, what's, what's going on with book two so that the people who've read, if you haven't read book one, I'm going to need you to go out. I'm going to repost the link. I'm going to need you to go out and get book one so that you can be up to date when book two drops. Um, so is book two finished? Book two has been finished. Um, problem with it was I had misplaced it in our <laughs> in our travels like from Virginia to Massachusetts I somehow or another lost it on the computer but I ended up finding it and and I'm that type of person I'm sorry if I'm writing something and it's gone I don't want to rewrite it I like I don't like I feel like I'm backtracking I don't do that with anything in life I don't like backtracking if I write a song and then the song disappears, I don't want to rewrite that song. I may not know it all because I just wrote it. So I don't want to re with that book with book two. It, it was like 200 and some odd pages. I'm like, there is no way <laughs> that I, <coughs> excuse me, that I want to write, rewrite book two. So I was stuck. Um, and I started writing book three. Like I, I, I knew because I knew in my head what I had done with book two, I instinctively started writing book three. But when I did it, I went a little to the left with it. I a lot to the left. A lot to a the lot. left. <laughs> I did. What I did was I changed genres. Um I did go to that sci-fi with the same character. I changed it up. Same character. Same type of motivation, same type of drive, a new responsibility. I put that into a sci-fi um, because that's what I was feeling at the moment. I was like, I can take her there. This would mean I had a new spot that I had to study, a new, a new, uh, a new state, so to speak, a new place to go to. Um, new adventures and i'm like i hadn't written sci i did write sci-fi but not like this so i was literally doing something that most writers do not do in the middle of a trilogy i changed <laughs> i 
I changed the genre. Yeah. I flipped yeah. the genre on its ears. Um, it was it it was supposed to be a smooth transition, so it wasn't like it would have been a. What did he just do? You still would have been able to follow it. It still would have worked. But I changed the genre. Um, inside of a trilogy, which would have been okay if it was a book that stood on its own, which is what Diamond was trying to tell me. Well, you could always just let that book be an offset from the trilogy, and you can let it be a standalone. Um, but yeah, that's what I did. And then in the process, I found book two. So book two is done. But at when I went back over book two, I found out that I couldn't do book three the way I wanted because of the way book two ended. There was no way for me to flip it into what I had written for book three. So right. I had to redo a, a whole new this is where I don't mind redoing stuff is when it has to be different. I have to redo it in a different way. So it ends up being a situation where book three will be, will stay in the same genre. And I need book two because I did that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to go use book two as a reference for book so three. So did you completely get rid of what you wrote for book three? No, book, I still have book three. No. I have it. I have book three. Um, but so just, you could just make it that standalone. Yeah, I could. Nine times out of ten, it's not going to be a standalone because uh, of one of the because of the way I write, and two because I um <laughs> there's a lot to the story that I want to do. I could. It'll be a big book for me if I write one book. It could come close to three hundred pages. Come close. I mean, my book is over 300 pages. Yeah, it could. It could come to three. It could hit 300 pages. Um, so I, it could be a standalone or I could make it into segments. I could do that as well. But I cannot connect that book. The so characters connect the book. But yeah, but I can't connect what I just wrote. The book three that I had started that I was eight chapters in. I can't uh, use that for the trilogy i have to go back right. and finish because tony likes to write cliffhangers so that's what tony's doing tony put a cliffhanger in book two so now i have to answer that cliffhanger you know and i could have did that and brought book the book three i wrote i could have i could have adjusted the first half of book three the new one I could have adjusted that so it answered book two and then went into something different, the new the new genre in the middle of book three, which again would have been crazy, but that's what I do. That's where my mind goes. And people still would have loved it. It wouldn't, you know. So I'm still working on book three, but I'm using book two as the reference to make sure I didn't because it was gone for so long. I know the basis of it, but my writing. I don't want to dismiss and there are different details in it I need to use. So, so are you ready to um where where are you with the release process for book 2? I'm about ready for book 2 to be released. Um I'm just going to do a quick once over on it um just to make sure once I've got book 3 flowing the way I need it to flow, book 2 will be released. So probably this if I can get it done this year it would be great. If I could get it out 
I don't think it'll be done for April. Um, maybe June. I can look at having book two released. Okay. And then book three, book three, hopefully shortly after that. Book three will be, um, book three will go faster than the release on book two um, because it's fresher in my head and I can get it flowing. The only thing that's slowing me down greatly because these books all would have been done by now and if, if but i dove into music right so now I'm, I'm writing music i'm performing i'm writing for other people um i'm going to events so music kind of had me putting my books on the shelf so to speak for a moment while i dove into writing music so yeah that slowed the, the book process down but right. I'll pick that up and get it done for the summer. Um, and then book three should come out shortly after that. But it, it's a hard balance writing music and writing books at the same time. Um, people like to say you can take, well, I got a whole day, so I'll spend, I'll spend three hours on music and three hours on book. It doesn't always work out that way. And it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes other things come into play, uh, you know. So you can't always finish music and book. I can't always do both. Um, sometimes it's got to be a whole day of music or half a day of music. And then the other half is rest <laughs> because doing this stuff takes a lot of brain power, which physically drains me after a while. But it, it, writing a book is work. It is not a joke. It is work. It takes brain power and imagination and direction. So. Especially, you know, that's that's why the, the the big, big, big writers, they just get paid to write. You know, they they go away and and they, um you know, they get to be in a cabin somewhere and, and, and just write a book and not worry about anything but writing so that they're not, you know, pulled away or drawn away or 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 anything of the sort. So before that's, what I told, get, that's what I was told. um my favorite author is Stephen King. Yeah. He writes horror. <laughs> I don't write horror. I've never tried. I'd be that author that would probably scare himself. <laughs> and, it, and it wouldn't get done. <laughs> like I'd probably be, if it's a 25 chapter book, I'd probably in chapter 10, I'd probably stop writing because I'd be too scared to pick it up, you know? Oh my goodness. But, but he does that. Like he has gotten cabins and everything or he'll go away. And he will just focus on the book, nothing else, you know, and you need that sometimes. I have my man cave and it's super quiet, super quiet. Like I don't even hear cars half the time, very quiet up here, but I have to have the concentration and the energy to write as well. So this is my cabin. This is my cabin, I guess. <laughs> It's good you have a cabin. So I'm I'm gonna play your track because, like you said, he is he is also an an artist. So we are working on getting. He has a catalog already of music that is ready to drop. Y'all need to hit your boy up and tell him to drop this music. He has at least six songs finished, done, music already owned. He just has to release it. So tell your boy to get on this. He could be dropping one song a week. Like tell him. Listen, listen. I could because I got. Y'all yeah, ain't he heard nothing yet. New music, but he's sitting on music that could be out there in the atmosphere, broadening his brand. He just sitting on it. 
It's you true. But here's my you thing. I'm I'm done. a creative. I'm a creative. So stop if, creating and putting it in the vault. No, you can't tell it's a creative to stop creating. You you cannot tell a creative to no. stop creating. It's if, if, Listen, if, if I said <laughs> I said stop creating and putting it in the vault and then creating more and putting it in the vault and creating more and putting it in the vault. Wait, 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 wait. Michael and Prince did that. But they also released music as they they didn't okay. release everything that they did. But they didn't stop. But they didn't stop creating as they released. They were still they were releasing, but they were still writing. Understand what I'm saying, right? Y'all understand, right? Out of fifty songs, they probably released three quarters of them. He got like twenty songs, and he's released one. Like, come on, man, come on, man, what you doing? What you doing? I just man? love my music. I could be at work and I could be I could be at work listening to beats and all of a sudden a song will hit me with that particular beat and I'll have to I will have to write to it. I do. And then if another one will come like two days later. I'll be like, oh, this will make a good song. Oh, my goodness. I'm at work. I'm jamming to it while I'm working. My rate is going up because. I'm, I'm actually really into what I'm doing with the music. And that's, that's another song. <laughs> like the like like the the series of music that I'm getting ready to do, and getting ready to release is gonna be crazy because it's another level from what I did when I did when I did. I can't get you out of my mind, which everybody loves, and and take it back. The new music I'm getting ready to do here that I've already started. It's another level. That's right. See, another. I'm Tony proud. Wade. Drop the music already, fam. I need some real music in my life. Like you said, take it back. We go out and people be requesting his music and they be like, so where can we listen to this at? Nowhere. Yelly B, one of our favorite artists, Yelly B and Dre, they be like, dude, when you gonna drop the music? When you gonna drop the music? When you gonna drop the music? Come on, man. When you gonna drop the music? If it's done... Y'all, for y'all that don't know, I'm not a technical person. So when it comes to computers and programs and all that stuff, I don't do all that. I write the music. Diamond Butterfly records me. And then if anything has to be put out, I normally leave that to her because I don't do that stuff. It's not what I do. So if I come home from work, if I come home from work and she's like, I dropped two of your tracks, I'll be like, excellent. What were they? No questions involved. Because I know that that they were, especially, you know, when they're the ones that we own, drop them. I wrote a beautiful song for her. Um, what's the name of that song? I wrote, it's called, um, oh, You Set Me Free. And I, I love that song. I would love for that to be released because that, that is just an awesome, awesome song. But again... I can't stop creating just because I'm not putting out like my, my, my brain doesn't work that way. Like I've got to put it out. I will not put it out, but I've got to get it done. I've got to write this song. It's in my head. I need to write this. So I do. So right now, like I have, I kid you not. I have like seven tracks from what I count it. I have seven tracks that I've written. I, that I haven't even recorded yet. <laughs> seven that have to be recorded. They're already written, but they have to be recorded. He probably has. I mean, I have not seven that are just on my computer that are started and not finished. 
I know those two. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I do. Like, babe, can I get on a computer tonight? You know, I can't like, slow down my creative. So he just wants to get the words out. So we'll just get it out, get it on the beat, get it on the track. So it's there. And then don't let Diamond fool you. Don't let Diamond fool you because I can tell her I want to write a track or I want to put a track down. So, she, you know, I will need her to help me record and she'll be like, sure. But then when it's time, there's something else going on. So I end up not recording. And then in the process of not recording, I'm like, okay, well, I was supposed to record on Monday. So now Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday goes by and I'm at work, not thinking about that song, but another track has come to mind that I'm listening to. So I have to write. So I'm continually writing while I'm waiting for that other track to be recorded. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's circumstance. <laughs> it's not always T's not trying to do. It's I need the resources and the time and I need Diamond Butterfly to have zero on her calendar and not be doing anything so that we can focus on the track so that I can get it. Go there. <laughs> oh, I'm going there. So All I you mean, need to do is tell me you need my time. You know that. I don't even want to hear that. Don't even try it. All you got to listen, say, hey, I want to get listen. on the computer tonight. You got time. You know I will make time for you. Whenever you need to get on the computer, you know I will make time for you. Stop it. And I am a, I am an author. I am an author at heart. I have a lot of, of stories in my head, like music. But music is a forefront. But music is a love for me. It's a passion. So I tend to not have a problem with throwing a couple of tracks down before I get to my books. Um, books take more brain power for me than my music. Like books yeah. take, like, I literally have to put myself in the story. I have to embed myself in that story. So when Sybil, my main character, is in, in, say, Fort Lauderdale, so am I. Like, everything, I'm oblivious <laughs> to everything else around me. Like, I'm with Sybil. I'm watching Sybil as she's fighting this person or blowing up that or, you know, getting information from that person. Where, whatever she's doing, I'm there, you know. So it takes a little more brain power to write my books than it does to write my music. Uh, so, which is why I could be working on a book for years, but in that year, I've got 20 hits out music wise. It's it's easier for me to do music. <laughs> yeah, we, we got this 2024 is our year of getting things done. Like we have definitely our goal this year is to we're supposed to be we are planning this month. We should have been pre-planning. We should not be planning 2024 in 2024. So we slept on that. We definitely should have had a plan for 2024 before January 1st. Like we should have known what we were going to start doing when January hit. So we've talked yeah. about it, but we don't have it written down. Like Tony likes to say, write it down and make it plain. We haven't done that yet. So mm -mm. this we week, have to do that. We are going to be doing that. He has Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday off. So one of those three days this week is what we will be doing. So y'all can check in with him Wednesday because Wednesday is his radio show. T-Way to the point that is his radio. Is it this one? Yeah, the first the first Wednesday is his show. So on Wednesday, y'all can check in and be like, so did y'all come up with that plan for 2024 yet? At least the first quarter. Like, I want to have our overall plan. What do we want? You know, the broad plan. And then you got to break that broad plan down, y'all. Don't forget to break the plan down. Like, mm. yes, I want to buy a house. That's a great plan. Break that down. 
What do you need to do to buy a house? And then break that. Okay, I need to get my credit together. I need to save whatever I need. Okay, so how are you going to get your credit together? Okay, how are you going to save? Like break it down to like, that's the part that people don't, the tedious part that people don't want to do. Like, don't just speak it. Make a plan. Now break your plan down into chunk eatable parts. Like, don't just put a whole steak in your plate in front of you. You know, like, okay, so now you got to pick up your fork. You got to break it up into little pieces. You got to bite it one bite at a time. Don't try to shove the whole steak into your mouth. You know what I'm saying? I probably should use something else because Tony don't do steak. So I don't. But, but, um, but here's the thing. <laughs> I don't do steak. I know y'all going to think I'm weird. I don't do steak because I was traumatized at a young age with steak. Probably, I don't know. I don't want to say that certain people didn't know how to make it, but when I got to sit there for 20 minutes chewing on the same piece, yeah, I'm done. So I grew up not liking steak. It has to be super, super. We're talking like I can cut it with a fork soft. Otherwise, I'm not touching it. You know? So she doesn't cook steak often. I don't. And when I do, I usually make it for me and my mom. Like every once in a blue moon, if I think I've gotten it soft enough to where he might eat it, I might give him a piece generally he's still like nah that's not soft enough like i need to beat that thing like it stole a million dollars like you know beat it like the dog chewed up everything in the house you know what i mean i need to do something like beat that thing to death like you tenderizing a a, a chicken tender or something and here's the thing here's the thing the, the thing with me and tosh that works for me but doesn't always work for her is like when you're in a relationship, everybody has their place. Everybody has their lane that they, that they're, I don't even want to use that, but more like they, they have their specialties. What I'm good at, Tosh may not be, or what she's good at, I'm not. So with that, I rely on her to be good at what she's good at. And, it, and, and for her, it'd be like, well, why can't you learn how to be good at it too? <laughs> that way I don't always have to do it. But if she's good at now, I'm a dreamer. I am. I'm I'm a I'm a big dreamer. It's what I do. I I think on things, I set huge goals. Like, okay, I want to do X, Y, and Z. We can do this. And she'd be the type that's like, okay, well, yeah, that's a good idea. How are we gonna do it? Like, let's break it down and make it plain. And I'm like, let's do, let's do let's do this, you know. And by the time she gets done telling me everything we gotta do, then I'm like, oh, come on, you know. But you know, that's what she does. She's good at the details. I come up with the game plan. She comes up with ways to execute the dream. So we work great as a team in that aspect. It's just she doesn't always want to be the one to come up with the execution ideas. No, he, but, he doesn't like to hear about the execution ideas. But my our pastor just talked about this um, Sunday. It was funny. It's funny because I, I feel like whenever Tony doesn't come to church, the pastor like like Tony, you need to be here. This message was for Tony. Why isn't he here to hear this? <laughs> the pastor talked about this. It was in his message this past Sunday about you know, making plans and being detailed and not, you know, some of us, we have these big grandiose plans and there's nothing wrong with having the big vision and seeing and wanting the big vision. But if you don't break it down, 
you're never going to get to the big thing. Like you can't just keep saying, like I said, you can't just keep saying, I want to lose weight. You can't just keep saying, I want to buy a house. You can't right, just right. keep saying, I want a vision. I, you know, I want a business. Right. How are you going to get there if you don't get to the next step? You know, what, and I don't have that. I don't have a problem. I don't even have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is Todd. Listen, if you call y'all that don't one more time, you're gonna be sleeping up there tonight. Ta -ta 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 -ta. Listen, <laughs> okay, I'll call you Diamond. But here's the thing: when when she comes up with the steps for the game plan, she automatically comes up with ten steps. And for her, we have to go through every last step to where I'm looking at it. After she's told me what the breakdown is, I'm more of a, okay, so what steps do we necessarily have to do? Because we can literally skip step three because we don't necessarily have to do that because we got other things we can do. And we can go to step five, you know, cut some of these steps down so that I'm not looking at 100 steps that I got to take. And I only want to take 10 or only need to take 10. But then her thing is, well, you might miss something in translation or you might miss a special step that's needed if you don't do them all. And I'm like, but you, you're, you're dragging out my dream. You're like, you're dragging out the process. That's where my head goes. You know, it's like, it doesn't take all of that. Like, yes, you can do all of that, but it doesn't take it all. So I'm grateful for the details. But I'm like, do we have to do every single little detail? And then she'll tell me at the same time, it takes time. It takes time, which it does. In some instances, it does. It does take time, but not all the time. And she wants, I mean, I don't like, I don't want to drag it out. I don't have 50 more years on the planet to play with dreams. Like, let's get stuff done and do them. That's where. I'm at, but she's the detailer. So it does work because sometimes she reels me in, you know, I, I can be un. what's the word I'm looking for? Unrealistic in my thought process. You know, I just see the dream and I see us in it. I see us doing it. It's there as plain as day, but the steps to get there, that's on her. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, and, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I try not I guess to him, and, and it can come off. I I'm sure if he was doing it to me, it would come off as like a Debbie Downer. And you know, why are you always trying to shoot down my dreams? And why are you always try to, you know, and and I want to make a plan. I, you know, because I want to know where we're going. Like, don't just tell me to like just come on. Like, I want to know where we're going. Like, I don't want to just get in the car and drive. Because if you just get in the car and drive and you ain't check the oil and you ain't check your tire pressure, and you don't know how much money you got for gas, but you're talking about you want to go to California, you're not going to make it to California. You know, so I want to make sure that we can make it to California if we hop in this car. And do I have anything to wear? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, see, and, see, see, see it, it gets really detailed. Like, how many bumps are in the road? And, you know, how many corners we got to turn? Well, we got to turn 10 corners in this. I, you don't need all that restaurants are on the way how many bathrooms are on? like i need to know this stuff if we are planning like if we're just out for a leisurely drive like sometimes you can just go you can just but you can't wing everything you know what i mean like you cannot you know wing in a prayer you cannot wing and pray everything in your life especially when it's something tangible like this is what i want for my future i want this so that you know like pastor loves to talk about leaving a legacy like 
This stuff is supposed to bless not just you, but the, the, the generations behind you. Like we need to get into that mindset. Like listen, they need to work. They need to work for the dream. They need to work for the dream. Other cultures for setting up their future generations, but we don't want to do that. You make me work. You make me take all these steps for the dream so that I can develop something so nobody else has to take them same steps. You may take your future generations don't have to work as hard as you to dig on straight. I don't want my future generation. Listen, listen, everything. If I can set them up to make life a little bit easier for them, like other people do and other cultures do. Why? Why would I not? Because why then? If I mean, I respect need to stop getting mad at other cultures who set up, they set up their future generation. We need to stop. I respect. I respect what I achieved because I know the work that I put into it. You know what I mean? I know the work that I put in. It's that thing that's that that says like um that saying that goes where people don't respect what they have unless they had to buy it. If somebody else bought it, they'll treat it any old kind of way as long as they have it. But if they bought it, then it's different. When mama was out buying them sneakers, when mama was out buying them sneakers, you did whatever. Then you had to go out and you had to spend mega money on a pair of sneakers. Now it's like, don't walk near me. Don't step on my sneakers. Don't do because you know what you put into it to get those sneakers. You when I see what the work is that I laid for what I had to do, I appreciate it more. I respect it more. Um, I, I believe in helping future generations. I do. I just don't believe in doing all the work for the future generations so that they can sit on their royal blessed assurance and not have to do anything and talk about everything they have. It was given to you and you don't know what it is to earn. And then half of the generations that are the generation that's coming up now is that's where we got the privilege from. That's where they got their privilege from. Like well, they've no, been, you can't say that because a lot of this generation, their parents aren't privileged. Their parents aren't wealthy. Their parents aren't no, they're getting no, but it's a joint. So they didn't get it from that. They just, for some reason, this this societal that the societal society that we're in now, everything is quick, fast, in a hurry. I want it right now. I don't have to do much of anything in order to achieve anything. That's the society that we live in now. I don't think it's necessarily because they don't. Their their parents are struggling too. Their parents, you know, aren't out there wealthy and saying here you can have whatever you want because that's not the way that they have it. But, but here's the, the thing: they're they're feeling in. that they're privileged to get what they got because it was given to them previously. It's it's that's who, a who that is a learned about? that's a learned behavior. The, the, um, well, society we can use your words. We can say society as a whole. With the even with the quick and in a hurry stuff like fast food, like I, I mean, we can go to the simplistic, but basically, it's a generation that doesn't want not all of them, but it's a generation that doesn't want to have to do the excess, they don't want to have to do the work that's necessary. It's funny because I'm thinking about it right now with the teachers that are doing the new math that we didn't have to do, where we had to do all the steps and break it down. The, the phrasing and the reason that they're telling them to do it is they want them to show them the work. And we didn't have to necessarily do all of that, but, but we, we got the answer. Work. We still had to show our work. We did. We did. We did. We did. I'm not saying we didn't, but I'm just saying yeah, that that, that thought process just hit me. 
that thought press just hit me that when they say we want you to show us the work, it's the same thing with like, I have no problem with helping you, but show me that you know how to work. Show me that you know the work yourself and you understand what it takes to get what you're getting. But don't take it. Don't take it for granted. Just because I got, just because I get, just because I get money, say I go out there, I bust my behind. Now I'm a millionaire. So if I go out and I leave my kid mil a million dollars or millions of dollars, what does my kid have to do to earn anything at because this point? Because you're going to have a business, you're going to have things, and your child could be... Most people that are set up, some, I can't say most, a lot of people that are set up that have businesses and things like that to leave for a legacy, those children are working that business, they're learning that business so that at one time, at one point in time, and I'm not talking about the ultra billionaires who, you know, just they have farms or whatever. And I mean, when you get to the top and you're a CEO, you don't know what goes on to at the day of the day anyway. But the average, let's not talk about the billionaires, the lowercase people that, that are still leaving legacies. They have businesses. Their children understand, like you said, my mom worked hard. So I did something so that she didn't have to do what she had to do. She didn't have to work as hard. So if I had a business... If I had a physical location that I could go to or even what I'm doing and it's generating money that my children or my grandchildren or my nieces or whoever could benefit from, I would want to bring them into the fold to say, hey, here's an opportunity. This is something that you could take over at some point. Come on in and you can but because you said that. But because that is set up that way doesn't mean that's what they want to do. I, we just watched well, something where. That it is, but if you why not, what I'm saying is. Just because we have a business doesn't mean somebody's got to run it. Somebody's got to do something with it. So, yeah, I, that could be the legacy that I leave. I'm not talking about just leaving them money and saying, hey, do what you want with it. If you are working hard and you're doing things, then that's what you teach your children as you're going along. Whether you want a million dollars or you got a business where you've created a million dollars, even if you win a million dollars, you still got to teach your children how to keep a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So you still, there are still values and there are still things that you can impart into your children. If if I have a business, I would want my children to learn my business, especially if it's something that they enjoy and they like doing because now my legacy can continue. You don't have to work as hard trying to figure things out because this is already a plan. It's already established. This is something that See, that's another over. whole step. That's mm -hmm. another whole step for me because even with that, I'm not going to, if you can't show me that you're dedicated in into getting work done and doing the work, you can love it all day long, but I'm not going to leave you my company knowing that you're not do, able to do the work and that you don't. But you won't know that until you get them and you give them the chance is my point. My that's point not is necessarily that's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true because you have a lot of you have a lot of young people out there now that are showing you up front that this ain't what we're doing. I had a young person tell me when I was like, yo, you can get a job doing, you know, like I used to work at Kentucky Fry, you know, and I do this, that, or the other. And I'm naming the stuff I had to do. Oh, I ain't doing no trash. What <laughs> you make your money, you it's it it was going to be your first job. Why wouldn't you do? I understand you may not want it, but do what you you need to do so you can do what you want to do later. Like they're, they'll be quick to tell you what they don't want to do, what they're not going to do. Like sometimes that's not a, if I hand you my, if I hand you my company, you got to run that company. 
and you have it, it can't be well i don't want to do that part of it but i'm gonna do this part of it no if this is what it entails this is what you do because i didn't build it so that you could run it into the ground i didn't do it so that it could not be paid attention to or you could pawn it off to somebody just so you don't have to do it well that's it, where I, which is why i said that's where training your child as you're going along or whoever it is your niece your nephew whoever that legacy is to be left to because i mean that's that's also biblical i mean they left they passed things on to the to the next generation it wasn't like i have this farmland and now you got to go get your own we live together when i pass my son takes it over that's what they did and we've gotten away from that especially as a people we've gotten away from doing things that we pass on to the next. We've, we've gotten away from imparting that stuff. And then we want to blame it on the, the children. But if we're not imparting these things to our children as they're young and we're teaching them these things, then when they grow up, society takes over. And as they get into, I mean, most of our children these days are being taught by TV anyway. From the time they can open their eyes, they're watching TV and they're getting all of their feedback from the TV, from the this, from the that, from the, instead of from the parents. Where when we were younger and the generation before us and, you know, maybe even a couple of generations, we were taught by our parents. They were taught by their parents and grandparents, and it was more communal. And now as society has gone on, we've gotten away from communal. We've gotten away from the grandmas and the aunties and the uncles and the people in the neighborhood and everybody imparting wisdom and, and things like that. But we do have to also, we do have to also understand that the generation coming up does not think the way that we did at their age. They don't have the same values. They don't they think don't. that of what they're exposed to. They're exposed okay, but, to but a parent, but a parent can give a parent could give their last. A parent could be there and be trying and attempting to instill all that stuff into them. But their mindset has to be wanting to accept it just because we're instilling it doesn't mean they're taking it in doesn't mean they want to do it the way we're suggesting or showing them it doesn't mean any of that they have their own mindset right now they want to do things a different in a particular way that works for them even though and, what and we not do all of them and, and i would say the ones that don't that aren't following the path that you're saying are ones who were taught differently are the ones who were instilled with with different things because you're not born with a mindset. You're taught things. Are 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 we we learn things from a very early age on what we are exposed to, our environment, what we watch, what we hear on TV, what type of music we listen to. I mean, you we've seen the videos of TikTok with the little two year old and she's listening to this music and she's saying these words and the parents are in the background laughing and stuff. They're teaching that child that that's okay that that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're supposed to talk. That's how you're supposed to act. And then when they become 10 years old and they're following down that line, now we want to say that the child's a problem. But when they were two, you told them it was cute. It was cute when they were two, when they were three and they were four. And now they're in school and school saying it's a problem. Now you want to change that and say, oh, this kid has this new mentality. But we started that as parents, as, as, as the people who we allow what our children at particular ages are exposed to. Now, when they I get think out- some of that is some of that, I think some of what you're saying is correct. It is, some of it's correct. Um, because every situation is, is its own situation. 
but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw off the belief that every parent that's out there doing a hundred percent is gonna reap a hundred percent from their kid because it doesn't work no. that way. No, you no. use even even if we impart even if we impart what we're supposed to as parents into our kids. It does not in any way, shape, or form guarantee that they're going to do what they're supposed to, or that they're going to take on, or that they're going to take on those credentials, and they're going to take on those habits and those beliefs. Like a lot of kids, regardless, you can have ten kids. The parents teach them everything, always there, concerned, always at school for them. But at the end of the day, they're still out there doing it their way. They're still out there with their own beliefs. So out of the ten. You could say, okay, well, three might be picking up what they're supposed to. Might yes, even be four. Negativity. Oh my goodness! No, 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 no. That, I mean, we're looking. If we look at society and what's going on right now, I'm not going to sit here and believe that all of the kids that are out there, privileged and doing whatever they want to do, it's because the parents taught them that. It's not always the case. Now they spend most of their day at school with other kids. So they get to see this stuff from them. So they're learning from there. They're also learning from TV. They're also learning from other adults outside of the circle. They're, I mean, there's different influences coming from everywhere. And I and got that's that. And that's but what the I'm parents, saying, like, but that doesn't mean that, that again, all it does is show that they have their own mindset and they're choosing what they want to take in. They're choosing what they want to follow as far as those parents that are busting their behind. I mean, even the law and the government is quick to say, well, why is your kid doing this, that, and the other? Well, I supplied for my kid. I did for my kid every step of the way and made sure my kid knew I was there. I bailed my kid out of circumstances and everything else. So if I'm doing my part, who are you to tell me that I'm failing as a parent when I'm not? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. What they're getting, they're getting from somewhere else or their mindset. You like to say as a parent, well, they have a right to believe what they want, which they do. They have a right to voice their opinions, which they do. Um, my only thing on that is be respectful when you do it. But there, you can have, for example, you can have a Republican household and your kid will be a Democrat and fight you every day at dinner knowing what your belief system is. And that's just an example. I don't really want to go political, but I'm just saying <laughs> the things that the things that you teach your kid does it just because you're teaching it, just because you're a good parent, there's no guarantee whatsoever that they're going to pick that up and run with it. That they're going to follow what it is that you're teaching them or instilling into them. Because at the end of the day, you're only an equation to what their day is built from. And we can take them from in front of the TV and everything else, but again, they're going to have their own mindset as to what they want to do. And a lot of them do. A lot of them already have the mindset. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. I'm not doing it any other way and screw all of that. And now when you tell them they can't do something, now they're mad. When you tell them they can't have something, now they're mad what we did. It's the exact same thing that we did. All children do it. You hate when I say this, but all children do it. We didn't listen to our parents. Our parents told us to go left. We went right. Our parents told us to stop. We we went. Our parents said it was hot. We touched it anyway. 
right but there's but there's but what we do but what we do see is that there are there are ramifications for that and what some people will do is they'll take the ramifications away from these kids when they do that we'll take the ramifications and that's the difference now is the ramifications that we used to get now you, you get locked up as a parent now you get your kids taken away from you now you get dcf and all of these different type of agencies involved if you know like she said parents going children going ham on their grandparents or even their parents you know how many videos have you seen with you know the the parent took the phone away because the kid was mouthing off and now the kid destroyed the whole house you know you told the kids yeah. no we want to fight you because they know the second you put your hands on them, they're going to call 911 and you're going to get locked up. And it's like, as a parent, I'm like, well, listen, if you want to call 911 and you want to get me locked up or you want to get taken away, you go right ahead. You go see what it's like to live in a foster home. You go see what it's like to live with people who really don't see you as anything other than a paycheck. And, you know, go ahead. Do, but, do, that, do that, but again, in that instance, the parent is doing what the parent feels or knows is best for the kid. And that, again, shows, well, this is what is important to me, and you're not going to do it. When it comes down to it, you can be, and that's what I'm saying, you can be that 100 parent. And we all make mistakes, so there's no such thing as a 100 parent. But you can be that parent that's there for their kid. You can be that parent that talks to their kid, that's interested and invested. But at the end of the day, that child has to grow up, and they're going to grow up with their not only their interpretation of things, but they're going to grow up with their own mindset, which nothing wrong with that. But if it if it is off, it's on them. It's and like I said, like I told, I think it was you, but I've, I've been saying this to different people, even at work. Like if I go scripturally, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they decided they were going to do the same thing the kids are doing now. So like you said, it's not new. It's nothing new under the sun. But the children of Israel decided we're going to do things our way. We're going to do things against God's will. We're going to make new gods. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. So a 40-day trip took 40 years. Why? Because God applied the ramification. As parents, we don't apply the ramification. Let me be there for little Johnny or, oh, it's okay if little Johnny gets mad. He needs to be allowed to show how he feels or, you know, little Johnny should have a voice in what, what's going on. Yes, but we forget the ramifications for the, for the disrespectful way that it's done. If it's done in disrespect, then, you know, it's like, well, little Johnny has a right to his opinion. He does, but he doesn't have a right to do it that way. He doesn't have that right. And especially in my house, he doesn't, little Johnny does not have that right. So you come you come respectful or you don't do it at all. That's when you lose your right to have a voice. When you don't use it correctly, we've talked about it. You know, it's wrong. You're going to do it anyway, because you're in your feelings. And yeah. as adults, oh it, as adults, we do that. Consistency. A, yeah. Consistency. And that's what a lot of parents and people, relationships, friendships, parent to child, you know, consistency. I, I have a problem with consistency just in my life in general is, is so huge. And Tony and I, we noticed because, you know, three of all of 
three of my children had um, some type of mental disorder. I say all of them because I did. And, and uh, today it's like, who doesn't have one? Everybody's got something, you know, it seems it seems like this these days. But consistency as a parent, it can't be okay today and not okay tomorrow. The same thing like us when we're training our dogs who are our children now. Like, I can't say, don't get on the couch. And then Tony comes home and they know they can get on the couch because dad's home, you know? But then if I walk in the room, they're going to hop off the couch because they know, well, mom says, don't get on the couch. Like, they're like, well, can I, can I not? Should I, should I not? Like the same thing, you know, with your children or with your partner, like you can't say, don't talk to me like this today. And then tomorrow when they talk to you like this, you're okay with it. Like, yeah, yeah. See, because then that that is a thing. Right. Yeah, that can that consistency that consistency thing has to be there, because like for me, like that's that's never okay. Now I'll give like what you what you were saying with the dogs. I, I give you that all day. Like they're my babies, so they you know they jump they jump on the couch after you told them earlier in the day. But they're like, Daddy's home, you know. So I I got you on the consistency thing. But when it comes down to like I said, the disrespect thing. When it comes down to certain other little things yeah it there needs to be there needs to be some type of consistency and it should be straight across the board like you're if the children of israel could could get ramifications for being disobedient or for doing things the way they wanted to do in which god gave them the freedom of choice to do but there is a right and wrong in there so you could do it it's still wrong yeah you can kill somebody but it's wrong yeah, you can steal from somebody. If you, you know, hey, if that's what you want to do, you do it. But understand it's wrong. I'm not going to pamper you because you did it and you thought you just had a right. It's wrong. If you know it's wrong. You know, as Latanya said, again, she's coming up with all the good ones today. Demon demonstrative. I know I probably still screwed that word. Is basically walk the walk that you're telling your children to walk or that you're telling your partner to walk or whoever. Like be the example. You cannot tell your and 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 this. I am. I've always said this. Don't tell me to do something, or you don't want me to do something, or you prefer me to do something, and then you don't do it. Yeah. Is it, so yeah. It's, it's not a rule for you, but it's it's a rule for everybody else. Like, no. If you want no dishes in the sink, you better not leave the dishes in the sink. Listen. If stop talking about my off. rules. Don't be bringing up my rules. Don't be bringing up my rules. Okay, you ain't gonna get me with my rules. You're not gonna do that today. That's not, we're not doing that today, boo boo. Rules. I was just saying. We're gonna do that, boo boo. No. <laughs> but you know, like, be people don't want to be an example. They don't want to walk by example. They want right, to like right. declarative. They want because we grew up with that. You know, do as I say, not as I do. No. I remember yeah. that commercial from way, way, way back when it was like a weed commercial before weed was legal. It was like the little, the daughter, the father found drug, like a little drug box with weed and his little teenage daughter had it. And he was like, where'd you learn how to do this? And she didn't want to tell him, where'd you learn? You know, drugs are bad. You're not supposed to do this. Where did you? And she was like, I learned it by watching you. I learned it by watching you. And that has always stuck in my mind as, yeah, he may have told her drugs are bad. He may have told her don't do drugs, but she sees him doing drugs. So it can't be all that bad if my dad is doing it. Like, how are you going to tell me not to do something, but you do it? How are you going to yeah. tell me don't but yell I, at I, I agree. I agree with y'all. <clears throat> I agree with y'all with that. 
makes perfect sense and it's right. It's there's nothing wrong with it. At the same time, there's still ownership to stuff. So just because just because you see somebody else do something doesn't make it right for you to do, especially if you know it's wrong to do. But you can't know it's wrong. If my parents tell me don't do X, Y, and Z and they're doing it, it must not be wrong. Because why no, are you going to no, tell me something's no, wrong to no, do, but you're no, doing it? It can't be no, wrong. That's not, no, that's not necessarily From true. A you're talking as an adult. But I'm telling I'm talking, I'm putting, you have to put it in a child's mentality. A child's mentality, you teach your child what is right and what is wrong. So if you are telling your child stealing is wrong, but you steal, they see you stealing. In their mind, it can't be wrong because my parents don't do things that are wrong. So no, no. If you're if your kid, if you're talking, wrong, if you're talking about a single digit kid, yes. If you're no, talking, no, 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 listen, listen. No, no, listen. If I tell if no, no, because at some point you know, at some point in, in a lot of instances. There is that logic and there is that knowledge that what you may be doing is wrong. If I tell them don't steal, they know stealing is wrong. That's no, a given. No, no. No, How no, don't they, they know don't. it's wrong? They no, no. You, they, no, you no. told it, them. They know that you told that. So that's saying that a person who grew up racist should so know So you're that telling me. Wrong. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. In some instances then. So we can go there. But I'm saying if you're telling me that a teenager doesn't know it's wrong to steal. If they grew up in a household where stealing was part of what they did, to them, this is what is normal. Just if like a teenager goes in the store, if 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 you if a teenager went in the store and grabbed something off the shelf, they don't just walk out with it; they hide it. Why? Because they know it's wrong to just take what without paying. What they know as part of their life, you cannot walk. You can't talk out of both sides of your neck, as you like to say. You can't tell me it's A and then also tell me it's B. It's got to be one or the other. If you're telling me it's wrong, then you as my parent ought to lead by example and not, not do it. That's just I like got you, that. are, you know, I watch all the crime right. shows and you get in these things where the family does stuff and the child sees it as normal because, well, we this is what our family has always did. My dad has taken women off the street and brought them home and unalived them. This is normal. This is what our family does. So when a child grows up and they get to a certain age, dad says, your time to go out and find one. The kid doesn't see anything wrong with it because this is what they've grown up in. So if you are talking out of both sides of your neck to your child and you're saying, don't do that because that's what them nasty thought type girls do. But since I was two, you was playing this music that says drop it, bop it, bend it over, do all of this and laughing while I dance to it. You're giving me two different messages as a parent. But the, what, the, message what the message, what the message to me sounds like is it is. OK, so I'm doing this. I know it's wrong. But at the same time, you do it. So now that hands off justification to me for doing it. That's all it does. It's not saying that it's right to do or that I'm understanding that it's right to do because you do it. It's saying as long as you're doing it and you're my parent, that gives me justification for doing it because you're doing it and you're my parent. That's what that does. And you can't confuse that with right and wrong. The bottom line to it is half of the stuff that's done, yes, they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. Now, do they do it because they see mommy and daddy do it? Okay, but that's their justification for doing it. Not there's it's not them saying it's okay to do, it's right to do. Because if you see mommy and daddy stealing, 
okay, it, if nine times out of ten, if you're stealing, they're doing, they're taking stuff on the sly. If you're doing it on a sly, and we're just using that one as an example, but if you're doing it on a sly, then that means they know it's wrong. If they know it's wrong, that right there, the, the way that it's being done lets you know you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. But justification says, mommy and daddy are doing it, so I can do it. Because they recognize us as being their teacher in how to do things. Whether or not but but whether or not it's right or wrong. We're talking about leading by example. I got and I got that. I got all on the child. We're talking about a child. We're not just talking about teenagers. We're talking about an example that has been taught and shown. People do more of what they see than what they just hear. So you as a parent, if you ought to, like you said, write it down, make it plain, make it plain. Make it well, plain. see, the government does the same. The government does the same thing. The government does the same thing. If your kid does something wrong, they look at you because the thought process is your kid did it. So, so it has to be your fault, but you're not necessarily, you may not necessarily be at fault for that. And, no. and even if, and even if they do do something and the government wants to blame the child, my point, the government still charges the child. They accuse you of not being that good parent, but they still charge the child for the act. The child still faces ramifications for that act. Yes, because it was because talking, it was wrong. Talking about the Bible, the Bible says, "Raise your child up." It is our job as parents to teach our children. You say this all the time. When they turn eighteen, they ought to know how to be an adult because you taught them. Well, if you are teaching them multiple things and expect them to become eighteen and get out into life and know when you said this is right and this is right and that's wrong and that's wrong and A is also C and D is also Z, how do they know anything? There's a because thin line. There's, 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 the there becomes a thin line. Mixed messages from the world. I'll give you that parents are, I mean, because you're right. I'll, parents should be examples all day. You got that. We should be examples to our children. It does not nullify all I'm saying. It does not nullify the ramifications for when they do wrong. It doesn't no, mean just because. It, no, I'm pointing stuff out. It doesn't just just because they do something wrong doesn't mean the parents fell short and taught them that way. And if the parents did teach them, it still doesn't take away the ramifications that they're supposed to get. Because nine times out of ten, when you're doing it, it's not because they feel it's right. You're doing it because they feel they're justified because their parents or somebody else they look up to has done it as well. So. But it's not a right situation. It's a justification situation it when it comes to that. Illegally, uh, illegally, a lawyer can use that, though, because we've seen instances where a child grew up in a particular type of home with particular parents who taught them X, Y, and Z, and now the child is following in those footsteps because they grew up in this type of environment. When they do something wrong, a lawyer can go back and be like, that is part that is part of the justification and probably not justification, but part of what they will use to say, this is why this child is like this. They can, because but they still dish out a level. And this is what was taught as this child. He wasn't taught this is wrong. He wasn't taught this is how you're supposed to act. 
He, okay, but the, then what the, in that instance, what they're going to do is they're going to look at the upbringing of that child, where they were brought up, how they were brought up. If they were isolated and the only teaching they had was from the people that taught them wrong, then yes, in that instance, that's all they know. Because those are the only people that taught them anything. They, now, they if, no, no, now listen, now if that child grows up people. and that child is 14 and that child decides to go out and rape somebody, steal from somebody, kill somebody, or act the way they're acting and it's negative on society. If mm -hmm. that child if they that child decides to do that mm -hmm. and that child is not isolated and taught that from the parents only and there's nothing else that they have to learn from, that's different. If they're they in front of the TV, different. if they're in front of the TV as you nicely put earlier this is one of their learning spots so if they're able to watch tv like they want if they're able to go to school and be around other adults and other children they're going to get a variation of knowledge from all sources around them they're sponges from i mean from young ages up to teen so they're going to to some degree they're going to know what's right and wrong and the justice system will look at that and say yes the parent is ill, but where else is this? Is this the only influence that this child has had? If they're homeschooled, they're not allowed to go outside. They're not allowed to watch TV, all that other good stuff. All they've got is their parents, period. And this is the type of situation that they've learned, even if it's a, a, an occult type situation. They're learning that from a, it, it's a society learned environment type situation even in that so these kids are learning what's right and they're learning what's wrong but the examples that they have parents other people are also out there teaching them other things so yeah, but the school isn't teaching you that the school teaches you how to read how to write in american history it doesn't teach you that people is wrong it doesn't teach you that you know, sex without consent is wrong. Those aren't lessons that are taught in school. You're no, no, you can't say that because in some in some schools that stuff is taught at a young it, age. It's okay to unalive people. You're not telling your friends that. So there are and that's not what I'm. No, no, no. You said that, outside influences. You said okay, well, outside parents, influences. If you don't, if the kid doesn't have the love that they feel they should have at home. What do they do? They go out and they get it from somewhere else on the streets. And a lot not of times always, with urban, not always with, big. You can't I didn't say always. always. I didn't say listen, always. But listen, listen to what I'm saying. Don't feel loved. Just because their parents do these types of things doesn't mean that they're not treating their kids with love and kindness. I didn't say that either. I didn't say that either okay. because I've I've said I've been speaking against that. But what I'm saying is. At some point, right. you do know that everything to what mommy and daddy says. Yes. At some point, you do know right from wrong. At some point, you learn it, unless you are isolated, is what I'm saying. There are some things, there are some things in life you may not know. There are some things, but for the most part, when you do something that's wrong, that's outwardly wrong, you know it's wrong. Now, the one thing that I can say. Like when you mentioned, you mentioned um, being prejudiced, you meant, or you mentioned, you didn't use that word, but basically racism that can be taught. That's a taught. Mm -hmm. And you're normally getting that from home. 
You normally, but but right. you can also get there. But you can they also don't get it. But you can also get it from outside influences. And again, yeah. you can be taught that all day long. And then when you get to be 16, 17, you get with your friends and y'all decide you're going to hang somebody. Does the justice system say, well, that's what they learned. So that's on the parents and the society that, that they came up in the street they lived on. So no, they'll bring that up. They'll say, this is what little Johnny was brought up in. They'll say, this is what little Johnny's parents were like. And this is what he's known all his life. But at the end of the day, little Johnny and his three friends still hung somebody. So at the end of the day, little Johnny and his three friends still have to face ramifications for that. Not and the I'm parents. I'm not saying that any of that stuff doesn't happen. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that um whoo what i was saying well fred said even isolated folks know right from wrong and i say some isolated folks know right from wrong not all isolated folks know what is right they know what they have especially if they're isolated which is why you get those cults and things they believe what they believe because they're isolated this is what they mm -hmm. this is all i know if if, like Tony said, if they're isolated, they homeschool, they don't go out, they don't do stuff, they only do certain things with parents where they go, they only go with people who believe what they believe, then this is this is your world, this is your environment. Even if <clears throat> they take them out into public and they go to stores and they see people acting other way, they may watch TV, maybe they're choosing the, the shows and things that they get to watch. There are levels to isolation into what uh what they call it like you said it earlier um when you were talking about civil groom when you are grooming a child to be a particular way mm -hmm. you your influence on them is to teach them this is right this mm -hmm. is okay society may say this is wrong you you we might go to the store and you might see kids doing this this and that but those kids are wrong those parents are wrong that's not that's all wrong so that's what you're taught and that's what's ingrained in you we may think of it like just like we certain things we think are right and other people see is wrong it's the same exact thing some things are blanketed right and wrong unaliving people you know things like that blanketed right and wrong and we know that but if you grew up in a different home or in a different environment, you may not see that as wrong, even though it is, because that's what we do. That's what, you know what I mean? This is the way things, things are. Or you may, like you said, feel there's a reason why I need to do this because my parents said, or my father taught, you know, however it is, there's twist. It's twisted and i'm not saying that it's justification and i'm not saying that they do not hey that they um won't or and should not reap the ramifications i'm definitely not saying that definitely not saying that i'm just saying that they're indoctrination that's you know what i mean there's layers to this when your culture you're claiming if you go to a different country they see things differently if you go to you know, smaller tribes, like I'm sure if we went to African tribes and we, or any other type of tribe down in, you know, the different worlds that are the different countries, they all do things differently. You know what mm. I mean? And as we see things, even right here in America, one household may see something as right versus another household seeing something 
as wrong. Like Latanya was saying earlier, like if you're taught, you teach your kid they can't have sweets and they go over to little Johnny's house and little Johnny's mom's like, here, have a piece of candy. Nah, my, I don't eat that stuff. You know, now as they get older, somebody might slip them something and, you know, they might be willing to try it as they get a little bit older, but especially when they're younger, we are their first teachers. So at that very, very early, early stages of life between like zero to five, you really get to indoctrinate your children to whatever it is you want them to be. And as they grow up and if they are allowed out into society, then yeah, that's where you say other things. They get to see other people doing other things, but then they still come back home and they, they probably come home with ideas like, hey, mom, you said I'm not supposed to do this. But when I was at school today, little Johnny and little Susie was doing this. Now, either mom is going to nip it in the bud or dad is going to nip it in the bud and be like, no, I don't care what you see them doing. That's not what we do because this is how we do it. The, you know what I mean? So it gets reinforced. So you may be out and you may be in school and you may do all of these different things. But when you come back home, you're going to get that indoctrination, that mindset is going to get reinforced at home to what they want you to do. Now, now all, our, all now, now with me, all I'm saying is this: there are ramifications, and there is right and there is right and wrong. And as you've admitted, it's it's not always about the parents being wrong or they didn't do their job. No. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm, and, and I'm gonna be an advocate for that because what I'm seeing in the young people now. What I'm seeing with my, and I'm going to throw it out there, with my 50-some-odd-year-old eyes, it's nothing like what I've ever seen. It, and and what, what's happening now is they're being taught to have a voice, which is fine. But they're not being taught how to have that voice because they're being disrespectful with it. They're being ignorant with it they're being arrogant with it and a lot of parents out there are like well little johnny's gotta have a voice i don't if little johnny wants to have a voice then let him teach him how to teach him how to have it correctly because you got you have fathers out there that'll be like oh susie she don't she just she has feelings and she just that and the other but then when susie comes off the net off out of the side of her neck to her mother and her mother jammy slaps her. Now mo mommy's wrong, but you didn't teach her how to come correctly. So now she's coming any old way. And it's all in the name of her having a voice. No, you don't just you don't just blanket statement by saying they need to have they should be allowed to have a voice. They can have a voice, they can speak their opinions, but you better come to me correct. That's all I'm saying. And there are ramifications. For, taught, though. That's what I just said. But that's what I just said. They need to be taught. And they're not being taught. They're just being allowed to do. And a lot of people, as you pointed out, they'll do it. They'll start it when it's young. And they'll laugh it off and say it's cute. And then mm -hmm. as it gets older, now they can't control it. Normally, yes. you have certain people who allow their kids to swear at them and everything else. Don't do that. I had my I had my 20 year old son come upstairs and he was talking in general and he was throwing around an F bomb. Now he wasn't 
doing it, directing it at me. We were having general conversation. But I told him, yo, 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 yo. That's all I had to do. Yo, yo, wait, wait. He's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't do that. Don't do that. Like, there, there are times and places for things, but there's a way to do everything. And the disrespect level is crazy. There's no, they do not believe in ramifications. You, they can, they can go and beat somebody down and then look at you when the cops come their way. Like you just did something that you weren't supposed to do. Why don't you see a ramification? Why don't you understand your ramifications for the stuff you do? And well, because if, if that's, you, that's being, like you said, not being taught at home, the, the lack of ramifications early on. We can go gentle. We can go gentle. And get away with stuff. And then when they're 10, 15, start to try to implement ramifications. You can't allow disrespect. You can't allow them to talk to you any old kind of way. You can't allow them to raise their voice and throw things and throw temper tantrums and then get what they want. And then all of a sudden turn the water off. Like, nope, sorry, you can no longer allow this. Like, right, right, right. No, you can't do that. Right. And, and I'm all about, I'm all about, I'm, I'm right. going back to full circle. I'm all about them getting what they deserve. And if I make going all the way back to the beginning, if I, if I make my millions point blank, if I make my millions, I'm making my millions. And yes, I, I would love for you to prosper from that. But I really think that the kids coming up or the generation coming up, they need to understand what it is to put in the work. I do. I'm, I'm not making millions so I can give you millions, like I said, so that you can sit on your blessed assurance talking about what you got. You never, you didn't earn it. You got it by name. You did not earn that. You didn't do anything to get it. And now if I tell you go out and get a job, you're like, <clears throat> well, why I got to do that? I got millions. Listen, at some point you need to learn. They need to understand what it is to earn something to do for themselves and get on their own. We can help them. We can do for them. But to a degree, they need to learn what it is. They can't even teach their own children if they don't learn it themselves. Understand what it is. I'm not preaching that children should have a hard time at life. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that every every child out there that you have should struggle to learn that the, I'm not saying that. I'm saying get out there and do your best to achieve what you want to achieve in life. Do that for yourself. I'm willing to help somebody who's willing to help themselves. They used to say that. They used to be like, God helps those who help themselves. You know, you don't, and I said that in the beginning when I talked about New Year's resolutions. Like, don't just make the resolution and then sit there and wait for it to fall in your lap. All year long, you're waiting for a resolution to come into play but you haven't done anything. I want to lose weight. That's my new year's resolution. But you sit on the couch every day, all day long watching TV. You don't get up and do any exercise and you don't do anything. So how are you expecting any change? How are you expecting to, but those that do it, when they do it, they what? They respect the results. They get out, they go to the gym. Now look at me, I done lost 25 pounds <laughs> because they did the work. 
So they understand what it is. They can feel proud of themselves and proud of the effort they put in. And then it makes them want to put in more work to achieve the things that they want because they know they've done it. The proof is in the pudding. But yeah. I the mean, generation it, it, has to be taught that we can't just keep giving them every time they fall. We don't allow them to get up on their own. We don't allow them to know what it is to learn how to stand for yourself because, oh, you fell. Let me get you back up. But a lot of times we even told you there's something there. You're going to fall into a ditch. Don't do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. Okay. Yeah, then as soon as they fall in the ditch, can you help me out the ditch? Can you help me? I tried to help you not get in the ditch in the first place. That is such an irritating thought to me. <laughs> like If I'm telling you don't, it's right there. I'm showing you it's right there. Don't go over there. I understand they need to learn for themselves. That's fine. But if that's the case, then I need not tell you about the ditch. I need not tell you about the ditch. Because you're going to do what you want anyway, which is what a lot of this generation is doing. I'm going to do what I want to do regardless. I'm telling you get a job. I ain't doing such and such and such. Why? Why? You got to start somewhere. You Your first job, you're expecting to make millions. It's nice to dream, like I do. But if yeah, we, you're we say got, 16, um, you 16 and you out there, you got to get, yeah, Ugh. it's, 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 it's irritating. Tony, huh? <laughs> we, we're at, we're at 1258 and we okay. are, we're going in and out. So I want to make sure that, um, I get a couple of these comments read. Um, Simone was saying, I feel as though adults feel as though they can talk any kind of way and expect children to just accept it. And I don't feel that's fair because children have, they have feelings too. And that's, that's, that's always been my point is why do parents think I can do whatever I want? Like I've always said, children are like, you know, we think we can yell at them. We can scream at them and they have to expect us. That goes back to that act showing leading by example. I'm going to talk to you the same way I want you to talk to me. I'm not going to disrespect you because I don't expect you to disrespect me. I'm not going to do this to you because I don't expect you to do this to me. I, you, you're not the only one that feels like that. You're definitely not. Um, Latanya said, <clears throat> don't let them use having an voice as an excuse to do or just say anything. So, you know, as Tony was saying, yeah, they can have a voice and, and and they have a voice. And if, and this goes back to like Latanya, you were saying earlier about mental health in the household. We children are not taught that they have any rights until they turn 18. You don't have any rights. You're just here to exist, to do what I tell you to do. When you turn 18, you can do what you want. This is literally what we tell our children. You don't have a voice. You don't get an opinion. You don't have anything. And then we wonder how, when they're adults, they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to do anything. They get into school. They don't, because at home, they're told to shut up and just do what you're told to do. You don't have, you don't have any rights here. Yes, they do. Just because we gave birth to them, you know, we're your parents. You got to do what we, and then when they get in a job, they're told the exact same thing. You know, then when they get in a relationship, now they're going to tell their children the exact same thing. So where exactly are they supposed to learn you know, good communication skills, how to how to manage their emotions, how to manage their feelings, how to talk to other people and friends and relationships and bosses or anything like that effectively 
when at the, the place that they're supposed to be taught this stuff, they're taught, shut up and just do what I say. Children are supposed to be seen and not heard. I don't care what you have to say because you ain't got no rights here. You're just a child. I don't care what you say. Like this is literally the parental mindset. You know, Frederick said we have to teach our children, one, how to understand the power of their voice, two, understand the effects of using your voice, three, allow space for honest, respectful dialogue, which goes back to what Tony and I were saying. I was saying you got to teach them that. Like you mm -hmm. can't just expect them to know how to be respectful, especially if you are not demonstrating respect to them. They don't, at one years old, they don't know what respect means they, they want to say no to everything because children as they as they come into their own they're going to test the boundaries that's what all animals do as you know that's what we do and i'm not saying it makes it right but that's how they learn that's how we learn we all learn you learn how to walk by falling and getting up if you never want to fall you're never going to learn how to walk right so you have to you got to go through these things you're going to test it's hot don't touch it I don't know what hot is. You're just saying it's hot. What's hot? It's hot. Don't touch it. Well, what's hot? You know what I mean? They don't know these things. Hot water, cold water, give them some hot. You know what I mean? There's things that we could do as parents to teach our children and help them along, but we don't because we were taught the same exact thing that we teach our children, which is shut up, do what I told you to do. You ain't got no rights. You're just a child. Nobody cares about what you're thinking. Just do what I say. You know, Frederick said, number four, understand that their voice matters, which we definitely do not teach our children that their voices matters. We They don't feel heard. Number one complaint of children is that they don't feel heard. They don't feel respected. They don't feel that their parents care about how they feel. And as a lot of parents, we don't. We tell them we don't. I don't care how you feel. Just do what I said. Nobody cares about it. Nobody even asked you how you felt. Like how do you, like if our partners treat talk to us the way we talk to our children, we would we be single. But why do we feel that it's okay to teach our children to talk to our children, the, the person that we're supposed to love unconditionally that way? We're definitely gonna have to do a part two because we are yeah, over our time. Tanya's got her her power. We're gonna have to do a part two, part three. Like we started off, I didn't even get to the books that I wanted to share with you guys. I wanted to share with you guys some books um, that I've read last year. But this, we always kind of, you know, we, one conversation we, yeah. leads into a different conversation, and that's cool because that I like authentic conversations, authentic, and how they lead, especially here. But um, make sure y'all come back. I'm here every Monday between eleven and one. T Wade is every first and third Wednesday from 8 to 10, and then Sofa Chats, which is us too, is every second and fourth Wednesday from 8 to 10. And if there happens to be a fifth Wednesday, we'll just figure it out. We'll, we'll just figure it out. Way. We'll figure it out. But there are also other shows on the mm -hmm. Trailblazers Radio Network. And we come back before Tanya is about to go live also today. So I'm going to hop off so she can hop on. And we love you guys. And we thank you for being here. Make sure you share us with a friend. And we'll talk to you soon. Blessings. See you later. 2024. Yeah, baby. <laughs>